Kendi, Rockstars. Prepare for a treat, let's meet and greet some bands and singers that are super sweet Making music that's fun for boys and girls, help them learn about this great big world Fun for the family, yes it's true, your kids will love it and you will too Clap and dance and sing aloud, become a part of the kindy crowd These songs will make you move your feet and give your ears a great big treat So settle in, grab your guitars, and let's get to know our kindy rock stars Hello everyone and welcome to Kindy Rockstars. This is the show that gives you the stories behind the songs from some of the best bands and singers that are making fun, informative, educational, catchy, and occasionally silly songs for children and families. I'm your host, Patrick Adams, and each episode of Kindy Rockstars will feature an artist and a featured song. So let's get to this week's show. Welcome to the Kindy Rockstars podcast. With me tonight is Corey Cullinan, better known as Dr. Noise. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You got it. All right. Well, let's get into your background. How did you get into Kindy music? I like to hang out with people of my maturity level. Uh, that's really the short answer. The longer answer is... Um, I was always into music as a kid. Um, I had an amazing childhood with a wonderful father who was the mayor of our town and coached all the kids in, in soccer and everything. And my, my older brother was the, this sort of Silicon Valley teenage computer genius. Um, he was, you know, featured on the Today Show and on the Tar Youth Advisory Board. And Steve Jobs literally used to come over to our house to hang out with him. And, and uh, um, then they both, uh, both of those gentlemen, my sort of father figures, they both passed away when I was in high school. Oh, and I was really sort of moved. Um, I mean, there's probably a whole story there about me going on and having a career, you know, as, you know, the Pied Piper of a bunch of other kids, you know, finishing off my dad's job. Uh, some psychologist could have a field day with that. Um, but really, I was moved by my brother, uh, who was a computer programmer and and made these creative, amazing games, um, even in his teens. One of them has just been re-released in this last year. Um, and I, I was moved by seeing somebody who, even at that young age, uh, um, with the few years he had was was living exactly what he wanted to do and making a positive impact on the world and i i never forgot that i always i thought i want to be like that i want to be like my older brother um i didn't know anything about computers so music music was what it was for me and uh i went to uh i got a degree in uh, music and political science from stanford i got a master's in recording arts from university of colorado denver and uh then I uh, was an unsuccessful adult musician, uh, uh, although I had a couple songs in a couple movies and things like that, but nothing, nothing sustainable enough for me to call it a, you know, every year career. So I ended up uh, as a high school uh, music teacher and soccer coach. I was, I played soccer in college and um, 
and then I ended up somehow, somehow they made me the department head of the arts communication and technology department there. And I did that for five years and I loved it. Um, and then my first child was born. I married my college sweetheart. And uh, soon after that, I started taking my kids, my, my two kids, they're two years apart, to uh, kids shows. Uh, and we kept going to these shows by this guy in the Bay Area who's a wonderful guy and still a friend of mine named Andy Z. And we would take the kids to his shows and they loved it. And I was looking around uh, and I was thinking, wow, this looks fun, right? This looks, and so I started doing some songs with, with, uh, with my kids. Um, uh, I, hear, I heard Pierce on your show talking about sort of the same thing. I just started messing around with songs you know, doing songs for my kids, funny songs, the banana song, whatever. And uh, ended up recording a, an album and somehow um, with, with a lot of help from some people like Andy who gave me some guidance on these things. Um, I had a fair amount of experience in music production already, which we can go into or not go into, but I, I'd done a fair amount of professional work and documentary soundtracks and recordings and things like that. Um, and so anyways, I recorded and somehow this uh, this banana song became this big hit and all of a sudden people started calling me up and saying, uh, yeah, do you play shows? And I didn't, but of course this is part of the musician's entrepreneurial creed. Of course I said, yes, right? And then you get off the phone and your wife says, who was that? Well, somebody asked me if I can, you know, play a, play a show in Utah, right? You didn't say yes, right? Yeah, I said yes. So then I had to get a show together. And uh, I didn't have a band, but I played a bunch of instruments and I used this program called Ableton Live, which does uh, a lot of, uh, you can loop record with it. Yep. So I sort of developed this show in a couple of months, which it was basically a one man band show. Um, but it, I get the kids up and they interact, they add their own solos and their own vocals to the loop and stuff like that. And, you know, some of the songs are just me playing guitar and some of them are a huge giant looping affair. And, Within a year, I was no longer a high school teacher, and I was Dr. Noise. And that was, I guess, 2006 or something. I can't remember because I'm very old, so I can't remember these numbers anymore. And uh, then I was Dr. Noise full-time for a long time. Now I'm a, uh, I am run the recording arts department at Regis University in, in Colorado, and I own a recording studio here. And I do a lot of musical theater commissions, uh, mostly for kids. Uh, I teach a little bit at Stanford in the summer and I teach at CU Denver too. So now I'm sort of half and half. I've, I've found this lovely balance where I get to play shows for younger kids, uh, the people of my maturity level, and I get to teach, you know, 18 to 28 year olds and be a part of a intellectual community of, of my college teaching peers. So anyways, that's, that's a long version of how I got into this and where I am now. That is a lot to unpack, a lot of interesting stuff. I want to take you back to your first album, though. Yeah. Uh, when you were piecing all that together, you said you, you knew the production side by that point? Yeah, I'd done a lot of, you know, I released an album as Corey Cullinan called My Oyster. And it was one of the, it was like a sort of art rock, progressive rock album for adults. It got a lot of critical acclaim and nobody bought it. Um, and, uh, but it, it ended up having, I had this song that long story short is it ended a song sort of uh, 
based on that, ended up in this movie called Spy Game with Brad Pitt and, and uh, Robert Redford and a, a couple other movies. And I remember that movie. Okay, yeah. So when they're sitting in the bar in Berlin and there's a song playing in the background for a couple minutes, that's me. I still get paid for that every three months. I wish I had more songs in Brad Pitt movies. <laughs> um, but uh, but so I had done that and I, did a, I was a documentary film composer. I did a lot of different, uh, everything from Sundance films to uh, U.S. military training videos and everything in between. And, and I was, I worked after I graduated, I worked at the Stanford electronic music department where I still teach in the summers a bit. Um, and, um, so I did a lot, I, I had access, I was able to leech off of a really good studio is what I'm trying to tell you before I had, (laughs) before I had this nice studio you see behind me of my own. Um, and so, yeah, I had a fair amount of production experience, more, more experience than, most schmucks my age at you know 25 or 26 would have that's very cool um so at that point in time and then this was around 2006 that you did that no oh the first album yeah the first album was yeah i think it was 2006 or seven or eight or something like that and then it was re-released in 2010 where i had a little more success and a little more money so i went back and like added real drums and you know stuff like that to it um but yes, the first re- the first iteration of that album was released. I should know this. It was somewhere between two thousand six and seven. That's what I think. We were still with CDs right, back then, right? Oh yeah, there was, was no well, yeah. no streaming or anything. Yeah, so hey, you're talking to a guy who had eight track tapes <laughs> when I was a kid. I had Liza Minnelli and the story of Star Wars and and the Beatles. I had the Beatles on record. But uh, anyways. Yeah, no, I, I think you and I might be might be from that same uh, era. My my first memories of music was an eight track of Funky Town, My yeah. Lips Ink. Uh, yeah. Still love that song to this day. Yeah. Um, and then a cassette that had ELO's song Twilight, which I loved. Yeah. So those I lived overseas at the time. I, our family was in Saudi Arabia. Uh, oh, wow. Getting quality recordings was hard to come by there, so the, yeah. uh, the, it was. I probably, I'm not sure if it was pirated or not, but anyway, my, that, those my kids. Oh, sorry, to interrupt you. Oh no, no, I was going to say that that was my first memorable experience. But my first song that I ever loved, and uh, I still remember listening to this song as a kid, was the No No song by Ringo Starr. That was oh, yeah, my yeah. that was my kids' music. <laughs> You know, my kids' music was the Beatles as well because so my my parents basically listened to classical music and the Beatles, so they were sort of you know beautiful snobs, uh, uh, and so all the rock and roll albums we had are the Beatles. And I mean, if you gotta have albums by one band, that's a great band to have albums by because the everything from the production to the songwriting. Um, but yeah, I I I remember that and. Uh, and then when I was growing up, you know, it was the eighties with all the uh, synth stuff, Howard Jones and all that stuff. And I, I remember I, I was really into Howard Jones because he had, I mean, my show is basically an extension of what he did in the eighties. He had this sort of one man show to start out with. Yeah. And I was always fascinated by that because I thought, oh, wow, you could do a show with different instruments, like all by yourself. Right. And I had a, I, I had a Dr. Noise band show at one point. I, I still do the symphony shows, the, the, multi-instrumentalist show and just the unplugged shows. I had a band show at one point, but I found almost everybody booked the one-man band show instead of the band. Anyways, that sort of became the thing I was known for, the guy who 
whatever loops all the instruments and gets the kids up to do that. And, and so that's what I have ended up doing, uh, that and the symphony shows, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Do, it do is. You, did the kids it's a rough up? job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> and yeah, getting into the eighties music, that's, I think that's when I, I really, really became a huge music fan. And, um, I'm working on my second full album now and it's, uh, I'm kind of diving into my influences and there are so many scents on this album. I, yeah. I can tell exactly where my influences are coming from. Early 80s, Duran Duran, uh, yeah. Rhythmics, all that great stuff. Yeah, Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart, is that the guy's name? The, yeah. Duran Duran, by the way, is the band that uh, we play to drive mom crazy. We find it, for some reason, mom <laughs> hates Duran Duran. How and could so, she hate Duran Duran? I don't know. I think it's something to do with it. Why, yeah, 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 don't you use mm. it? I love that. I think it's That's hilarious. a great song. She not so much. But my kids every <laughs> once in a while will will just put on and blast Duran Duran just because they think it's funny, you know, watching mom's face. Yeah, but how can you not like Hungry Like the Wolf? I know. Hungry Like I'm, the I'm Wolf. Thinking, I'm thinking of doing a kindy cover of that. <laughs> you should. You should. I, I, I like them. And uh, uh, they were all the crazy outfits before it was hip, too. I like that, too. All right. Well, enough Duran Duran. Back to Dr. Noise. Yeah. All right. So talk about your transition into Dr. Noise. Did you, like, start to embody, like, a, a different character from yourself? Or was, were you just Dr. Noise? No, I, I think most people who know me, and, and unfortunately for them, there are a lot of people who know me because I'm quite social. Um, I think most people would say I'm I'm... I don't have to get out of character all that much. I've, I've actually never, I, I'm not saying people who play characters, that's a bad thing. It's just not what I do. I just, I, I, I am more interested in going up there and like being a musician and, sh and showing kids how to produce, but also being a crazy man. You know, that's basically my thing, musician, crazy mm -hmm. man. Um, and so, and that's basically my thing in, in real life for all its, you know, successes and perils. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't really change my personality, uh, to do that. I do play a bunch of different characters, you know, uh, the, the main series of Dr. Noise albums, not all the albums, but the main series is based on uh, Phineas McBoof and the International Band of Misunderstood Geniuses. And, and Phineas McBoof is named after Paul McCartney, uh, PM. And um, uh, if you look at the two Dr. Noise books and, and the musical that was made out of them and, and, uh, and his story, it actually is sort of the Beatles story where he becomes so big that he can't hear himself at his own concerts and he decides to go off and become a classical musician instead because he does. And it, so there's all this funny stuff. Of, and, and then there's stuff about, uh, uh, you know, collaboration and friendship in the band. But but what I'm trying to get to is I do about a third of the characters on on the albums and then the others are a regular cast of other people. So that's that's as far as I get in terms of getting into different characters. Gotcha. Now, knowing a little bit about you, I know you were uh, you were commissioned to do some work around songs about grammar. Yes. Oh, I yeah. So, uh, so this was I've been I've had a lot of sort of fortuitous things happen in, with Doctor Noise. Um, I've had my hand in a lot of pots, and one of them was the Grammaropolis band. Uh, commissioned me to do an album called Grammaropolis. Actually, what they first did is they commissioned me to do one song called Welcome to Grammaropolis, which was supposed to introduce all of the types of words, nouns, verbs, whatever, in one song, 
right? And so it's this big, fast pitter-patter song. And um, I was on two, so the, the owner of the Grammaropolis brand is my former high school teaching colleague at Pinewood School in Los Altos Hills, California. I was actually his department head at one point. Um, and so we knew each other and now we both had these other careers and, and he wanted to do this song about grammar. And I was on tour at the time. And so uh, actually we have this joke. If you look at the credits for the song, it says, so welcome to Grammaropolis. The song was written and recorded in one week. And it says it was recorded at Hampton Inn Studios. And that was that was the little joke because, you know, children's musicians, we don't stay at the Ritz Carlton, we stay at the Hampton Inn, right? So I was going from place to place. And one of the nice things about having this mobile uh, 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 loop recording rig is it's actually also a recording studio. So I actually recorded this song. It ended up being whatever, a, a top 10 song on Sirius XM or whatever. And it was recorded in hotels over written and recorded over a couple of days. And so that was, they liked that. So they said, Hey, let's do a whole album. And we did the same concept. So they commissioned me to do this album and we did one song a week. We wrote it, recorded it, whatever I'd send stuff. Uh, court who owns the brand would listen to it, go, I like this. I don't like this. And we go back and forth and we gave ourselves a week to do every track. And that was fun. And what was also fun, I said, maybe you're going into, are you going into downtown from that album? Yeah, yeah, that'll be one of the songs. Yeah, so uh, like Nowntown, for example, I'm everything except my wife uh, has a few spoken lines, uh, female lines, but every, every other instrument I play, and it's sort of like the, that album was sort of like the live shows are. It's sort of a one-man band thing to some degree. Even the horn section on Nowntown, it sounds like a big horn section, but it's actually just me on tenor sax, alto sax, and just doubling a bunch of stuff. Um, and so that was fun. That was a yeah. really fun album. And we it ended up, um, that album has become a musical that schools can uh, perform. Uh, it's become an app called Grammaropolis that uh, has millions of, of users last I checked. And we did something like 11 or 12 animated videos off of it. And so it was, it's been a really fun project that just sort of, you know, ballooned, which was That's fun. a solid mix of fun and educational. I, I had a blast listening to some of those. Like, this is so clever. Well, it was it was fun. And it was funny because Court would give me, uh, Court and I are both education nerds, right? Uh, you know, some people like us for that and some people don't. You know, we, 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 throw, we, we throw an awful lot of stuff into every song, right? And he would give me the, he'd say, okay, here's the noun song. And he'd give me like two pages of stuff about nouns. He, he wants me to put in the song. And I'm like, really you want all that stuff you're like all oh, that's that's the challenge right and i said okay so uh anyways it made it kind of fun awesome all right well i think this is a good time to segue into our album feature which is what this episode is all about and the oh. album is an upcoming one retrospective called positive energy the songs of dr noise so we're gonna feature five songs from that album um, i think one or two might be from that grammar album uh but we'll, we'll kick it off with the, uh, the title track, Positive Energy. So what oh, is the, energy. Yep. yeah, okay. what's, what's the uh, story and inspiration behind this song? So Positive Energy, this is, it's interesting. This is actually the second iteration of this song. I was invited by three amazing musicians to join a collaborative quartet group uh, over, the, over coronavirus whose express purpose is to sort of shed light on international sustainability and environmental issues for families 
Anybody who knows me knows that's near and dear to my heart. I only drive electric cars and blah, 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 all that stuff. So those musicians were Conscience the MC, a rapper from DC. Uh, Ricky Cage, who is an a amazing musician from India. He's, he's actually a Grammy winner. He's a, he's a nominee this year for his album with Stuart Copeland of the Police. Um, and Lonnie Park, a good old country boy from New York, who's an amazing producer. And so we each wrote, you know, three or four songs. Uh, and then we all, we all agreed to contribute and collaborate and play on each other's songs. And, and it was really, really fun. I was the last one to join this band. The, the fellows called me and uh, I was really excited. I'd, I'd known Ricky a bit before because he had liked the, the Phineas McBoo Crashes the Symphony album. And he'd sent me this big, long thing you know, this musician who clearly had listened to the whole two and a half hour, two act musical. And, you know, he said, I really like this. And we're going to work together someday. This was like five years ago. And, you know, people say that all the time. And I was like, yeah, great. Thank you. Right. Whatever. And sure enough, you know, they called and they wanted to do this. And so positive energy is a song about what it implies is about positive energy. Um, and uh, conscience uh, wrote some rap for the original version was on a Dr. Noise album before that had everybody from, uh, you know, Joni Leeds and Lucy Kalantari and, and, uh, there were like 25 musicians on there. Uh, Marsha, uh, 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 and the Positrons and all, all sorts of different people. Um, and it was more environmentally focused. And then it had this whole thing between Skidoo and my daughter in the middle of this whole funny environmental dog, but that's all gone from this track. This track is just about positive energy. Um, and it's pretty exciting. It, it, it was played at the UNICEF uh, World Children's Concert this year, which was which was really fun. So anyway, all right, let's listen to it. Here is Positive Energy by Dr. Noise. All right, everybody, hop right on the Positive Energy Machine. See? Uh -huh. Spread love between you and me Get back to people in need That's how everything needs to be Get up, be proud, let your happiness stand out Living life with no doubts Positive energy, let it out Coast to coast, state to state Everyone can be great Do it now, you can't wait Let's all make a statement I'm gonna help you shine You gonna help them realize That positivity leaves no one behind hey. Your positive Positive energy, 
Only way it can be, be positive energy. Be inside you with me. Earth is full of energy, it's positive in nature. Give it positivity and watch things growing greater. I'm gonna help you shine. You gonna help them realize that positivity leaves no one behind. Hey, I'm gonna help you shine. You gonna help them realize that positivity leaves no one behind. Hey, it's positive energy. It's something that shines so bright to me. It's our better nature shining through. All right, that was Positive Energy. The next song I wanted to get into, we talked about already a little bit, Downtown. So any more to add to, to the story and how this song came together? I just feel like it's sort of about a person, place, or thing. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I already talked about this one. Um, the, uh, I guess the only, the only other funny thing about this album, it's, it, he's not in this song, but... I actually, they let me create a character for the Grammaropolis album. And the character I created was slang. And no, he doesn't swear, but he uses words creatively and he drives the mayor of Grammaropolis crazy in the musical. Cause he's always like, hey, Fantabulopolis, man, that's groovy. Uh, fantabulous. And he drives the mayor of Grammaropolis crazy. So, but this song is about the noun character and our noun character is basically sort of a middle management administrator who is very fussy about only nouns uh, coming through the office. And you can see this if you if you go look up the animated video, which has, I think, millions of views. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny animated video. Uh, so uh, noun town. Oh, the other thing is it sort of shows my love of uh, some of those uh, 80s synth people like uh, 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 can't, it, uh, for some reason, I started singing like the guy from Cameo, and then we just decided to keep it because we thought it was funny. Um, and you can see here a little MJ in there and a couple other funny things. But it was a fun song to do, and we did it in a week. Written and recorded, and boom, on to the next song. Awesome. Well, you have built this song up well during the course of this interview, so now it's <laughs> time to listen to it. Here is Noun Town by Dr. Noise. Step right up and show me what you got for me this morning. I tried to give them names of boring That's an ostrich Next that's a toy store Next that's a snorkel Next that's a Seriously? Mount Rushmore? How'd you even get that in here? That's a proper noun Next A common noun Names a general person Place, thing, or idea A proper noun Names an actual person Place, thing, or idea Common noun Make them sound Common noun All around A lady A planet Zoo volcano Boom Declaration Place something is found in now town so profound. 
enjoyed Nowntown. Now it's time to get into another grammar-based song, Exclaim. So tell us a little bit about this one. So Exclaim is actually off of the sequel album to Grammaropolis. Um, the, the symphony album came out in between, but we, we had a fair amount of success with the Grammaropolis album. So they came back and they said, now we want to write a musical and do an album about punctuation. So there's, you know, uh, officer period and and detective uh, question mark and you know we created characters that sort of apply to each um, uh, punctuation uh, mark and uh, so a lot of times when I write I usually write in my head and I don't usually sit down to record until it's all done so while everybody else is looking at their phones in the line at Costco or whatever I'm usually you know twiddling around with a song in my head and so a lot of the songs sort of come organically where, where um, the instrumentation sort of flows from whatever it's about. So this song is all my voice, everything in it, even the percussion is my voice. And the idea behind that was that when you explain something, she's like, whoa, oh, ouch, whoa, 
awesome, right? And so it 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 sort of implies a excited vocalism. Uh, I'm not sure if vocalism is a word, but you know, uh, it is now. It is now. Yeah, exactly. That slang says it's a word. Slang says it's a word. Um, so this one, um, this was off the sequel uh, to that. And uh, like the Grammaropolis album, we did every track in a week on this one. We wrote and recorded every track in a week. And this one has a really funny uh, 70s-ish uh, animated video. Um, and uh, Yeah, there, there is so much to love about the song. And, and I want to tell this story about it because kind of cracks me up you, you and i were having a, a conversation over chat and um we were talking for some reason about the bgs and was they're great yeah and, and you said you, you had a voice like barry gibb i'm like oh, come on i don't believe that and then you told me to go listen to this song and i was listening to the song i'm like well he does it's um, it's like, okay you got me on that one and, and, and the song was so much fun and the video is a blast and uh, I, I became a, a huge fan at that point. Oh, well, thank you. Well, here's what I learned from the Bee Gees. To sing those high parts, you got to wear the really tight pants when you perform and record them. And, and if you watch their videos, they do that, baby. They do it. Absolutely. All right. Let's check this one out. Here is Exclaim by Dr. Noise. Exclaim. <laughs> Sometimes things are more than just a statement. Sometimes things are more than mere commands. That's when things become an exclamation. Yeah, yeah. that oomph and they will understand. When you got a thought you want to proclaim. Register your joy or your objection. Use me in the battle of a good time. We gotta fight you out to proclaim. Exclaim. All right, moving on. The next one is called Mystery Monkey, and this is from the Phineas McBoof show, right? It is. Yeah, it's from. And actually, if you don't mind me just going back for one thing that I realized, I'm not sure I ever said that positive energy is actually 
from an album by Conscience and the Earth Band. It's the one album that is not by Dr. Noise. Dr. Noise is a member of that band. Uh, I'm not sure I ever said that, so I just wanted to say it's from the Funk the Earth album uh, uh, by Conscience and the Earth Band. Okay, uh, so Mystery Monkey, um, this is my, this is from my big passion project. So um, I, how this all started is I, you know, I'm a classical music geek. I like a lot of different styles. Um, I, I love, you know, old romantic uh, uh, orchestral composers like Mahler and, and, and Wagner and, and things like that. Wagner was an opera composer, but, um, and so I always, uh, I was always interested in bringing, um, the most colorful and diverse uh, ensemble of music, the orchestra to kids. And I got this chance back in, I think it was 2010 or somewhere around there. I can't remember how it happened, but I got this, this pretty sizable commission to write a um, orchestral live performance piece for kids. And uh, Mystery Monkey was one of the first songs in it. It, it tells, it starts off, kicks off with the story of Phineas McBooth, the great monkey, Phineas McBooth. And we had this whole uh, stage show that went along with this show. And it was very akin to, I listened to your podcast a few times ago where you listened, you interviewed the Gershwin guys. And I love those guys. And I love that album. And everything they were saying resonated with, because that, that's what we do in our orchestral shows too. I, I love, I, everybody book them uh, and, and uh, uh you know, look at my stuff too, but we're doing the same type of thing, which is we're doing these sort of interactive um, shows live um, that introduce kids to the orchestra. And mine is based around Phineas McBooth and this crazy diva Mama Mini who is trying to shut down the show because she hates classical music. Um, and so those, that the tour of the, those orchestral shows was actually a bit, we were playing to, you know, 2,500 people in orchestral halls and stuff like that. And it was successful. And so we decided to make a, a album out of it, which became a two act musical, um, raised like $120,000, half of it on Kickstarter, half of it off, hired one of the greatest orchestras in the world, the city of Prague Philharmonic, which was amazing. I got to score hours of music for the city of Prague Philharmonic. And and we already had a big opera, Grammy-winning opera star, uh, Nathan Gunn, who was one of our regular characters. And we got another one, Isabel Leonard. Go look her up, she, anybody listening. She's this amazing talent, and she plays our bad guy. Um, and so we had this amazing, and then the whole Dr. Noise cast. And so basically the, the album introduces kids to the orchestra. And it, over the course of this story, and, and you'll hear from this track that it's this very dramatic story. But over the course of the story, you learn the music history periods of classical music. You learn orchestration, you learn about every instrument. Um, you learn song structure, both popular song structure and sonata form through Beethoven's fifth um, and all this stuff. So anyways, this is uh, the, the opening, actually the second track from it, uh, from Phineas McBooth Crashes the Symphony. It starts off with my daughter who was only 13 at the time, uh, singing her lungs out. And then it moves to me and the rest of the cast. So this is uh, Mystery Monkey. Awesome. Let's play it. Here it is. Mystery Monkey by Dr. Noise. There once was a monkey named Phineas McBooth. And when he performed, people went through the roof. He was so famous. 
And then poof, he was gone. Hit it, Doc. McBoof, he was the maestro of a monkey. McBoof, the monkey started up a band of misunderstood geniuses of every shape and kind. They traveled and they toured from land to land. But gradually the crowds became unwieldy. Eventually the crowds became too loud. So Phineas, he snuck away and left his band behind. Have you seen him out on a limb? No, but he's the chip that every chump here wants to find. Player of the winter sold out houses. We found a grizzly tree to belong. Everywhere we go, we simply can't have a blast. Have you seen a monkey singing songs? Sometimes we hear a whisper of a rumor. Sometimes we find a clue, but then it's wrong. Until one day we have to say our search for him is done. He'll always be a mystery. It's aspiration, inspiration, all in one. He's a mystery, but Our last song here in this album feature is one of your newer ones. It's called I'm Listening. It's a bit of a different kind of song for Dr. Noise. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if you listen to any Dr. Noise album, a lot of people would argue that uh, a lot of the songs are different. <laughs> you, you either like that or you don't. Uh, but I, I think kids are the most creative audience in the world. So I think they're up for... Uh, guitar jam song followed by an orchestral song followed by this. This one, this is actually, uh, this this is gonna sound much more hoity-toity and, and uh, exciting than it actually is, but this is actually the world premiere of this song. I, I've never played this song for anybody before. Um, this was recorded uh, very recently. Uh, it's a duet that was uh, written, performed and recorded by me and a wonderful uh, uh, kids musician, many of your listeners probably know of named Justin Roberts. Um, and uh, 
it's all piano and our voices. The piano is the piano upstairs in my living room. It's me and Justin singing and, um, and my daughter Riley comes in at the end and it's called I'm Listening. And the interesting thing about this song is we wrote it after a literally a four hour conversation. It was actually two two hour conversations where we were sort of debating and discussing and, and at times disagreeing on a, a, a subject that a lot of musicians have been talking about, or a range of subjects that a lot of musicians have been talking about these days. And I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not going to bother with the details of that subject because the details actually don't matter. And that was the point. The point was that what mattered as we discussed and listened to each other is that ultimately we were actually just as interested in listening to each other as we were in expressing ourselves to each other. And that's something that musicians ironically sometimes don't do because we're used to performing and just, you know, getting people to listen to us. And I do think in culture more and more, we're, uh, we're more excited about talking than we are about listening. And so, um, but the truth is to be both a good musician and a good person in society, you need to be able to empathize and listen. So um, what, what we both realized after discussing this thing for a long time is that actually we, we basically were interested in the same thing and we were just had different backgrounds and we were just approaching it from different ways. And I actually found uh, myself very much enlightened by actually listening to him and vice versa. Uh, and so we wrote a song uh, called I'm listening. I guess a few other things about this song. Uh, Jess and I both learned in our conversation, we both love Stephen Sondheim. And um, Sondheim just happened to die right as we were doing this song. So it became sort of almost a tribute. It, in the, it sounds, those of you who know, it sounds sort of like a Sondheim uh, song, uh, including um, at the end, my daughter Riley comes in and she sings about how I'm, she's the child right and she's listening to what we're saying too and so it's important to think about what you're saying because children are listening and anybody who knows sondheim knows that's a direct reference to a, a famous song in sondheim's into the woods um and the little musical geekery thing that i really love about this song about uh two that two guys wrote um about how they learned from each other and were disagreeing about something at first was that we don't actually harmonize until the last chorus when my daughter is singing the melody we finally justin and i sing in harmony and before that we never sing in harmony uh we have counter melodies uh going at the same time but we're never actually harmonizing and that that may sound way too musically wonky but i i'm i'm a composer <laughs> so that's uh i i love wonky stuff like that. If, if it so, works it works it works, it works. So this is I'm listening. All right, and I've always wanted to say this, but here we go. You're hearing it first right here on the Kindy Rockstars podcast. I'm listening by Dr. Noise and Justin Roberts. I was thinking my own thoughts and you were thinking your own thoughts and we were talking quite a lot and no one heard. thinking my own way and nothing you could say would sway till something funny happened on the way to better things I'm listening life is black and white just me I'm listening 
Dr. Noise, tell everybody where they can find your music. Uh, what's up next for Dr. Noise and how they can connect with you on social media? Well, I think you mostly find it in the trash can. Most people listen to the CD and then throw it away after the first. Um, you know, you can get, I, I should have a better answer to this. I'm that classic musical entrepreneur who's more interested in the production of stuff than actually how all the business stuff works. I, I'm pretty good at it, but it, basically you can, uh, you can hear it on all the normal streaming things, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Grandma's CD player, uh, if you buy a CD. Um, and uh, I do still have CDs of every album. I, that's what I sell at the shows. I still sell CDs at the shows. Um, but yeah, you can get it pretty much anywhere. And uh, I will tell you the other thing, in COVID, if you go to drnoise.com, it's N-O-I-Z.com, uh, during COVID, I made all the albums free. So there were a bunch of kids at home. So you can go uh, online and, and right at the website and stream all the albums for free. And I said that was just going to be a COVID thing. But honestly, I'm just it's just going to stay that way. There's a whole lot of social reasons why I think it's awesome to have kids who, whose parents can't buy five CDs or download five albums to do it. And there's also practical reasons, which is, Honestly, I'd much rather have a bunch of people hear my music than not hear my music, right? So it's not exactly all altruistic. It's just, 
it seems like the right thing to do for a number of reasons. So you can go to the website and hear anything you want. There's a ton of animated and live videos that you can find. They're all on the website, but you can find them other places too. Um, and uh, yeah. And you can go to live shows. Live shows are always really fun, right? I tour around the country. I, they I sound like shows. fun. Take your kids to these. Get them, uh, get them up there and have them doing some loops with Dr. Noise. Yes, I, I tend to scare venues by having too many kids on stage. Um, so, All right. And be on the lookout for the retrospective album, Positive Energy, the songs of Dr. Noise. And uh, you have had a fascinating career. It's been absolute delight talking to you. And thank you so yeah, much you, for coming on the show. Thank you. Uh, you know, if you don't mind, you were asking me at the break. Um, what you're right the retrospective album is coming up at some i don't know when end of the year or maybe start next year and then i'm going to do one more dr noise album uh i have one more storyline i want to finish and the other thing i just wanted to throw out there that's that's fun is i do a lot of musical theater commissions and i i've been commissioned for a, a modernized version of uh sleeping beauty which if you've seen sleeping beauty you know desperately needs a, a modernization and that's going to premiere in 2024 at, at Palo Alto Children's Theater, um, and I'm really ex I'm really excited about that one. It's 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 uh, we've changed the plot considerably, um, and I won't go into any more than that. But the the first half of it, you think you're seeing what you've seen before, and then in the second half, you realize nothing is as it seems, and it, it, it's going to be quite fun. So, very cool. All right, we'll be out there looking forward to that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hope to talk okay. to you again soon. Thank you for having me. It's been delightful.